Hey everyone, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today we're going to be talking about the situation between Russia and Ukraine. Just to note, this is a rapidly evolving situation and I don't think anybody but maybe Putin knows exactly what is going to happen. The general vibe is that they could attack from the east, they could attack from the south, they could attack from the west, they could go through Belarus, Putin could say, hey, things are fine, and then attack. He could just attack right away. So there's a lot of uncertainty. There are many amazing journalists who I'll link in the description box below who have covered this very in depth. You should go and check them out. This is going to be a very broad overview of maybe what could happen, but then also diving a little bit deeper into the cyber attack aspect of it and then the energy markets aspect of it. Russia plays a very key role in those energy markets and so just wanted to talk about all that stuff. A big question is of course like, well, why are they doing this? And so Putin has it in his head that he is potentially Putin 2.0. This is from the Center for European Policy Analysis, and I thought it did a really good job at diving into the history of why Putin might want to do this and why Putin might do some of the things that he does, because a lot of this is game theory, right? So Putin back in July wrote this paper on the historical unity of Russians and Ukrainians. Basically, this is potentially a blueprint for war. It invokes Saint Vladimir, who is the first Slavic ruler to accept Christianity back in 988 AD. And in this paper, it it seems that Vladimir 2.0 wants to take back over this space that Saint Vladimir had occupied. And so this is, in Putin's eyes, his role is to prevent the Ukrainians from assimilating with the West, to prevent Russians from having to assimilate with the West. And he considers this assimilation, this forced assimilation, as bad as weapons of mass destruction against Russia. In his eyes, he's just interfering in order to protect Russia. There's a lot of movement around Russia and a lot of posturing. Russia convoys are going around carrying fuel and live ammunition. A lot of movement, a lot of will they or won't they kind of vibes, a lot of planes flying around, escalating tensions in the Baltic Sea. Russia itself is also pretty poor from the annexation of Crimea that happened a few years ago. There's a lot of speculation around whether or not this will be an occupation or an invasion. Occupations are pretty costly. An invasion would technically be a lot cheaper. Just going into the capital and saying this is exactly what Russia demands and you better give it to us or else. But some people are saying that, you know, they're going to be in there for a while. They're going to kind of circle around. They're going to weaken down Ukraine's military capacity. They're going to make it look like Ukrainians are attacking them. Basically create different reasons that would enable Russia to say, oh no, we, sh we have to invade because there's a the potential for Russian genocide or something like that. Russia has made it pretty clear that they're not feeling very good about the talks with NATO slash the US and that they don't really have any plans to de-escalate anything that's happening at the Ukrainian border. And so this is from Rob Lee. The cost of a long-term occupation of much more of Ukraine would likely be far more costly than a two-week raid that attempted to degrade the Ukrainian military. Moscow's cost-benefit analysis of an escalation is probably different than what people are imagining. There's a very good thread from Michael Kaufman who talks about how Russia has been escalating battalion tactical groups, which are now at 60 in and that represents about 35% of Russia's total available battalion tactical group formations. Basically, what Michael Kaufman is saying is that their pre-positioning equipment, not sending in manned formations, gives 
Moscow a little bit of flexibility and a little bit of freedom to select the timing of an operation while retaining an element of surprise. So there's a lot of that stuff, just like building things up along the border. It seems like Russia is getting very, very close to invading Ukraine. Last week, they ran a cyber attack against Ukraine. They've done this many times before. Ukrainian government websites were hit by this major cyber attack. There's speculation that Russia cyber attacks could go to other countries outside of Ukraine. But basically what the cyber attack said is Ukrainian, be afraid and prepare for the worst. All your personal data has been uploaded to the web. Data is incredibly important. Data is the lifeblood of our current world. If they're able to disrupt data flows, they're able to disrupt a lot. That was kind of a big warning sign to a lot of people, but still nobody knows what's going to happen. What is the U.S. planning to do? So the U.S. did send some Congress people over there. They landed, I think, this morning. The U.S. is also planning sanctions, like mega sanctions, so personal sanctions on Putin and several of the other leaders. Nord Stream 2 sanctions waiver reversed. At least three major banks blocked. Ban on trading all new government debt. Sanctions on anybody that Biden wishes who works specifically in oil, gas, coal, mineral extraction or any other sector industry. And they're trying to kick Russian banks off SWIFT, which is kind of the nuclear bomb of sanctions. If you're out of SWIFT, then you're sort of out of the banking system and it's really hard for other countries to transact with you. They also want to publish a report into Putin's alleged personal wealth. And so the U.S. Senate did vote to sanction the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline, which is owned by Gazprom, which is the Russian majority state-owned multinational energy corporation, which is how Europe also gets its gas. The whole goal with economic sanctions is to sort of make people know that you're serious about certain things happening. This gets into the energy markets. Tommy Lund says that the U.S. State Department has held talks with international energy companies over contingency plans for European natural gas supply in case of a Russia-Ukraine conflict. As you can see in this graph, Russia is one of the biggest gas importers to Europe. The only one that compares to it is Norway, and European gas inventories are very, very low. There's a lot of issues over in Europe right now with Gazprom, which is this Russian-owned energy corporation and also Europe's major gas supplier. Russia has always been a very reliable source of energy, even during the Cold War, even during the breakup of the Soviet Union, like gas was always flowing from Russia. And so now it's not. Putin has come out several times and said that Europe did not do a good job planning, that this is their fault, it's not his fault, it's not Russia's fault. So there isn't enough gas going into these storage facilities. They have enough capacity, but there's not enough gas flowing. So they are very low on gas. This is why we've seen this gas crisis, energy crisis happening over in Europe, is because there isn't enough supply. And luckily, it's a very mild winter, so it's not that cold, so there isn't that demand for gas. But if demand was higher, things would be very, very bad. What are the alternatives if this gas pipeline is disrupted, if Russia all of a sudden doesn't, um, you know, pipe gas into Europe anymore? Russia has turned down supplies to Europe. Flows via other pipelines are well below normal levels. Russia came out, the deputy prime minister came out and said that they're not holding back supplies, that they're not driving up the price of natural gas. The United States has now stepped in and they're like, okay, we're going to help Europe find an alternative because if Russia does invade, like, we'll have to have sanctions. And then if there's sanctions, Europe probably isn't going to be able to do business with Russia in the first place because these economic sanctions would prevent anybody from doing business with them, like similar to what happened with Iran. The German government with Nord Stream 2, they're like, we don't really know how to proceed. Obviously don't want to do business with Russia if they invade Ukraine, but it's like, we, we need gas. Europe does depend on Russia for about a third of its gas supplies and US sanctions could really disrupt those supplies and that could make this whole energy crisis, which is already pretty bad, even worse. Global gas supplies are already pretty tight. There's little gas available to substitute large volumes from Russia. So there is a potential even bigger energy crisis spinning out from this. And even here in the United States, we're seeing a shift back towards oil. Less gas is available. Temperature is dropping. Oil prices 
prices are spiking because of a colder winter, because of more demand, because of a milder than expected Omicron variant. There's just a lot of demand for energy and there just isn't enough energy to go around, which is a huge, huge problem. And like I've talked about in other videos, energy is the most important thing. Like it all boils down to energy sources. The US luckily has really done a good job expanding their natural gas business. So they are their top LNG exporter now. So there could be like the US could come in and, and fix that. It's just going to be a wait and see game with that. We have potential disruption of an already pretty disrupted sector, which would create even more problems. The Russian stock market has gotten pretty beat up because of failure of US NATO talks and different comments from leaders in Russia who are like, we're just going to keep on doing this. So you've seen quite the decline in the Russian stock market. For the people in Ukraine, they've been living in sort of this war environment for a long time. There's the whole aspect of the energy markets where it's like, if this does happen, what happens to energy supplies? What happens to resources? What happens to Europe? Especially if we get a colder winter. With everything, there's all these different other impacts that are happening. This is a disruption in energy markets. This is um, a disruption in global geopolitics. It's a whole lot of things happening. This is just meant to be a brief update on the different things that are at stake and how it is shaping out to look so far. I'm going to link to some good articles and some good journalists below. But yeah, and I hope that you all had a good weekend and that you're having a good day. I will be back on Wednesday and I hope that you're doing well and I'll see you soon. Bye.